0: We are recording. Buzzing had a wee bit of technical difficulties. Um, Matt and I have been chatting because it's been it's been a while. It's been a while since we yeah. potted and saw each other. Nice Christmas, parted.
1: Uh, yeah, lovely. Thanks. Yeah, nice nice break. Um, pretty quiet Christmas on the whole.
0: Uh, yeah, really enjoyed. Matt, I had a revelation last night from you. You <laughs> and Kath don't give each other Christmas presents. Uh, no, as, as a general rule, we don't. If
1: we think of something in particular that. The others really after then we will, will do it. But we realized we were getting presents kind of for the sake of it. So the kids get us something each, but we don't tend to buy each other a present.
0: Whatever they get. Don't you.
1: worry. It's no, that isn't a sign of concern for our marriage. I don't think, but I'm feel cons- free to chat to Kath and see what she says. I'm
0: concerned. <laughs> Whenever the kids get you something, is it like, you know, a t-shirt which is a bit rubbish that you'll never wear or is it like genuinely good
1: uh well to be honest usually they end up getting something off our wish list our amazon wish list which yeah. means they know it's something even if they're not very impressed that they know it's something we're after yeah
0: so, is that not the weird thing about being a parent where like your kids spend your money to buy you a <laughs> present
1: well bless them actually they this what they're starting to do is spend their own money or some of their own money so they which you've given them well true all the all the grandparents are giving okay. them so it's, it's a nice way of getting the grandparents money off them indirectly it's, it's the way i look at it
0: very good <laughs> <laughs> uh so we're thinking we're doing a wee bit of a double this morning mm. of model and uh the prodigal younger prodigal son yeah uh, because well we didn't want to do too much on the prodigal son because some of what we're gonna we would talk about is going to be touched on yeah in this week's sermon so that's why we're doing the split so motto verse hannah hopton did the beautiful we designed and great and people are really so good. talented mm. uh, i am not talented so <laughs> the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few therefore ask the lord of the harvest to send workers out into this harvest field so hi how do we get here,
1: Matt? <laughs> well, I think I think you know a big part of the answer to this question, actually, Dave. But it's Just for to, the listeners. Just to start at the beginning. Um, so I'd been chatting to the elders and praying about what to bring for the Motivus this year, because it was my turn. Um, and I, I hadn't landed on the, these verses, but I had been reflecting, amongst other things, on how we'd seen so many blessings, like, you know, the ones you put in the New Year letter, yeah. including signs of new life, professions of faith that we've yeah. heard, baptisms in the church. But what we hadn't seen, still hadn't seen yet, was people um, from the community around the church um, making contact with us and coming into faith. And that, that really struck me. And then as I was thinking about that stuff, if you remember, Dave, <clears throat> you fired off this verse because we'd been chatting about motto verse. You said, what about this verse? What about these? Yeah, And I kind of thought, yeah, I think that's, that's the verse. Verses for the year, prayed about it a bit more, and it was kind of confirmed that way. So it was a sort of a confluence of events.
0: Yeah. See, that's why I really asked this question. I wanted the to people get the credit. To know that Dave was-, was
1: after the credit, which is why
0: I asked that first question in the podcast. Uh, <laughs> so, why do you think? Why do you think? Why did the Spirit confirm through your prayers so that this was the right one? That this is timely for us as a church?
1: Um, I th- I think because it um I I don't think we're a church who corporately pray for the lost as we should. Yeah. Um, I include myself in that. Um, we, we love to pray for one another in our life groups, which is so important. Yeah. Um, I know when I talk to individuals in the church, they really got a heart for lost people they love and they pray for them. Yeah. Um, we do lots to try and engage with the community to bring the gospel to them, you know, schoolwork, holiday club, Christmas events. Yeah. And we work hard at that. And I think we, we do, we do well at that. But the question I was starting to ask is how much do I, how much do we feel the gut compassion of Christ for sheep without shepherd and then together especially earnestly pray for the harvest? And the more I reflected, the more I felt this is where we needed to be encouraged and challenged, encouraged that there is a harvest to come and the Lord of the harvest wants to hear and respond to our prayers, but challenged that we need to hear Jesus' command to do the the harvest-bringing prayer that he commands us to. To pray
0: yeah and that's the interesting thing isn't it about how we are expositional as a church like we pick a book of the bible and we go through verse by verse but once a year well, we believe that the lord lays on our hearts a, a yeah. verse for the year mm-hmm. and i suppose because of that people might feel like oh this is a bit targeted yeah but i think i think it's timely because we need that encouragement and that challenge because as we talk to lots of different people mm. the lord guides and directs us which i suppose takes us to this sort of uh quest that we have here's why did you go so hard on the prayer meeting someone listening might be like oh mm. that's really digging it <laughs> yeah,
1: i'm starting to get worried now because i want to go hard on the prayer meeting and then after the sermon you said you know, that, that we'd had a boot it's like <laughs> maybe i was harder than i realized no, but now, i know it, what you mean i know what you mean
0: like um so for me I'm like, I love a bit. I need a bit to get me going. <laughs> oh, bear that in mind. Okay. So, um yeah. As in, for me, a bit is a positive thing. No, and
1: it, it was a direct challenge, wasn't it? Which, which hopefully people realised was how Lord had been challenging me personally too. But yes, yeah. it was a direct challenge. Um, and why do I go hard on the prayer meeting? Because our private and our corporate prayers feed off each other. You yeah. can't, you can't separate them out, or you shouldn't try to anyway. So. I, I'm hugely encouraged in my prayers when others join me in my prayers. Yeah. My, my faith is stirred by hearing my, my church family pray. Um, and uh, so that's part of it. It's a practical reason, if you like, that we're encouraged in our private prayers when we pray corporately and vice versa. And also because the pattern in the early church that you see, for example, in the Acts of the Apostles is that they prayed together. That's, that's yeah. very much the emphasis. So we need to pray together. And we do that in small groups. We do do it as a small church, but if there's anywhere where I think we need firing up more, it's to do it as a whole church, more passionately, more regularly, for the good of our faith, and and in the case of this particular great topic, for the sake of the lost.
0: Yeah. Even on Sunday night, whenever we were praying, as our group was praying, I thought, oh, okay, that's it. In my head, I was like, okay, we've all prayed once. That's it. And then I looked up, and all the the other tables were all still praying. I'm like, oh, no, we still... We can keep praying sort yeah. of thing. And it's just other people spur us on, don't they? And especially when you're praying for particular people.
1: So what was yeah. lovely in our table is to, to, to share names, yeah. to pray for those people yourself, and to hear the other people around the table yeah. praying for those those named people. Yeah. And streets and areas and and know that they'll be coming back to praying for that individually too. This is why corporate prayer yeah. is is so important, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So we're asking for the Lord to send people out workers into the harvest field one specific way he can do that is by calling people uh, to go into full-time christian work so not just uh not just isn't the right word but lay people go in and reach out with the gospel but god does call people into full-time christian work to go into the harvest field how would someone know if they're being called (laughs)
1: really good question i mean first of all wouldn't it be wonderful if the lord having given us these verses for the year one of the results of that one day is that someone ends up as a cross-cultural missionary from the bridge church someone else yeah yeah praise god for that um i suppose what if god's calling me that can be asked in two different ways it's just occurred to me as as you're asking that out loud it could be someone saying oh i really want to do full-time christian work yeah or it could be someone saying i got a feeling God might be calling me to it. I really don't want to do full-time Christian work. Either way, you're looking for the Lord's guidance, aren't you? And guidance is a tricky thing. I think the bottom line is God will find his ways of showing you. So if you feel that God is calling you to full-time Christian work and you're trying to resist, um, well, fine. Keep talking to the Lord about it. Because if he's calling you to full-time Christian work, you'll end up in full-time Christian work. Um, His word will confirm the call. Um, but here's here's the other bit, and I think this is where maybe if someone's keen to go into full-time Christian work, yeah. they need to hear this bit as well. The Lord will confirm it through his word and through circumstances, providentially, and the church will confirm it too. Yeah. The church needs, when someone's going into any sort of full-time Christian work, I think, their local church yeah. needs to see the gifts, confirm that sense of calling in some way. So if someone says to me, that they feel a call to full-time christian work and they're not already engaged in the life of the local church yeah. loving and serving believers i'd probably tell them i don't think you've been called yet um keep asking the lord what he would have you do and keep listening to his voice and keep listening to what his word says about the church yeah and how your gift should be used in the church because that is the testing ground the proving ground and it's mm-hmm. where your brothers and sisters are going to confirm to you "Yeah, i think the lord's calling you to this as well mm-hmm. um and, you know, if, if if someone wants to go into full-time Christian work to share the gospel, I'd ask, and I was asked this too, um, if they're already sharing the gospel where well, they are. Yeah. So absolutely. you want to go into ministry, you want to become an evangelist, whatever. Well, are you already ministering to people? Are you already sharing the gospel where you are right now? Being, being paid to do Christian work, as you know, Dave, yeah. doesn't transform you into something you're not already. Well, thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah. if someone's an active part of the body, I think there'll normally be a sense in the church and amongst the leaders of the church that, yes, we agree this person is called. But often yeah. it can it's a process over time. Yeah. I mean, well, you, you can sort of speak to this from more recent, recent experience, experience,
0: can't you? Yeah, I feel like what you said there could be summarized. If someone came up to you and said, oh, I think I want to be a full time professional footballer, and you say oh how often do you play never you're like oh yeah maybe you should start playing so if you want to get involved yeah Mm -hmm. if you think oh i feel like i'm being called to teach god's people like Mm -hmm. okay are you teaching god's people in in sunday school in one-to-ones whatever it may be um i think as well you mentioned it on another point i can't remember what conversation would be to be called out in the harvest field for some people that might, might mean Working less hours. Yeah, yeah. And that doesn't mean yeah. Working less hours then enables yeah. people to test that calling yeah. a bit more.
1: And this is the this this is the bottom line, is We're all called to ministry. Yeah. We're all called to share the gospel, just in different ways yeah and different seasons in life. And it's figuring out and hearing from the Lord what that looks like and making ourselves yeah available.
0: So can we ask for workers to go out into the field and God not answer that prayer?
1: Um No, I think. Well, God always answers prayer, doesn't He? He's always going to say yes to that one. I don't. It doesn't. He's not always going to answer it the way we think, is He? So if we're praying that and we're wanting more people to go to Thailand, God may have other ideas and may lead someone to another place. Uh, If, but of course, the other aspect of this is if we're praying for workers to go into harvest field, we need to remember that we have to be, we have to see we're part of the answer to that prayer ourselves. Yeah. So. I think the whole point of the passage, actually, one of the points of the passage is that the disciples who Jesus is telling to pray yeah. to the Lord of the harvest are the ones in the next chapter. And they then go get sent out into the harvest field. Yeah. So we're, we are meant to be part of the answer to our own prayers, whether it's cross-cultural mission in another country or to our neighbors this week yeah. in some way. Yeah, um, And this, this is the other reason we need our brothers and sisters praying with us because, um, a few, a few people have said, which is, which is helpful, um, glad you're honest matt that you don't find it easy all the time either and Mm -hmm. i really don't and most people don't you know this being thrust out into the harvest field and looking for opportunities to share the gospel is something we need the prayers of the church in and the holy Spirit's supernatural help because for most of us
0: it's a hard thing to do yeah because you've mentioned there that's a hard thing to do i think part of what makes it hard is because we forget the plight of the lost so quickly yeah why do you think that is
1: Uh, Well, I I guess I did touch on this on New Year's Day um, to some degree, but it's definitely worth saying a few things about it again. Um, I think sometimes the plight of the lost—it's so overwhelmed us. Maybe in the past, when we really think about it, that we've got numb and we try not to think about it too much, especially if um, it's—we think of the scale of it: thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are lost, or when we think about a loved one and it's been a long time and we yeah. just hard think hard to think about it. So sometimes it's so overwhelming in the past, we get numb and we kind of switch off, but then sometimes I think it can be because we simply, we're not listening to what the Bible says or not believing what the Bible says, uh, about the fate of the lost. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was thinking of, um, words from, yeah, let me, let me just read these. Cause they're, they'll answer the question far better than I, than I can. Um, this is uh, Matthew 25, end of Matthew 25, um, the parable of the sheep and the goats. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Um, and jumping ahead, verse 46, then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Um those are painful things to hear and to think about, yeah. but it's crystal clear in God's words. So sometimes we don't feel the plight of the lost because we're simply not listening to what God's word is saying to yeah, us. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think we're going to transition now towards the mm. uh, parable of the prodigal son, aren't we?
1: Yeah, and uh, as often the questions with these, these things are about um, what difference do these things make when the rubber hits the road? I mean, Deb, for example, at the start of the service was saying, wasn't she, about um, some difficult things that they'd experienced? Yeah so when you hear this parable when you're teaching this parable day what difference does this parable make
0: i think it makes all the difference really which is an obvious statement to make because the parable is about the gospel about the good news of jesus Mm -hmm. so i suppose for deb and doug for their friends who are currently enduring such hardship the gospel would give them hope for their future it tells them that god does love them does care for them is not indifferent that sins can be forgiven that heaven heaven's real i suppose as you hear those things some of the hard things they talked about that might some of the stuff in the parable might make it even harder for them but i suppose for deb and doug to hear those things and then think about uh, if i think about the plight of the lost they need to know the truth of this parable Uh, Mm. And i suppose as you know not the single out deb and doug but as any of us walk through awful things happening in in our lives they are living out romans eight that they're sure that neither death nor life angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor death nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of god in christ jesus our lord this parable is a picture of it that nothing in all of creation can separate us from God's love because of what Jesus has done for us I suppose well it's what Steph talked about in Hebrews that mm. the waves we face as Christians can only shake us they can't break us in fact even as Christians we say that ways of life make us they make us more and more like Jesus yeah amen <laughs> good answer thanks uh, <coughs> excuse
1: me um one of the the Dave Law, the quotes I've got for you is, um, it, it struck me when you said this, that the the listeners to Jesus' parable, his initial hearers, they would have been disgusted at what the son did. Yeah. Can you say a bit more about that and how that helps us understand maybe a bit better what sin is?
0: Yeah, I think whenever we say that they were disgusted by this, I mean, if you heard a story of your friend, say, oh, my son wished I was dead and asked mm-hmm. for... All- their inheritance went that is awful that's horrific I suppose for the the listeners specifically especially since they were Pharisees and teachers of the law it violated many of the Ten Commandments and the summary of the law loving the Lord with all heart soul strength and mind and loving neighbors as ourselves so Mm. by his actions by his request the prodigal is literally living like a fool who says in their heart there is no God so they're disgusted because he's living as though there's no consequences for his actions like there's no judge in heaven so the prodigal essentially showing that he believes that sin isn't that big of a deal and neither is god yeah as he was in a jewish household a father was seen as the head of the household still the christian view that father's head of the household held in high honor respect meaning any actions against him would have been seen as an action against the family the community as a whole and ultimately against god himself because yeah. god is a father so mm. that's why they'd be so disgusted like this um nothing is sacred mm. to him so i think yeah. that helps us see what sin is isn't it it's not just a we often think of things as a wee white lie mm. or not that big of a deal Well, it's what i talked about sunday wasn't it how in our culture we say if it feels good do it but if it yeah. feels good do it like leads to disgusting sin
1: yeah and i that, that that's helpful because it with the, the sort of sharp intake of breath there would have been from the crowd I'm guessing when Jesus said that how could the son do that that's yeah. how we should view sin yeah uh, and, and too often we, we pass it off as just little
0: yes and little things we'll get it we'll get it to it soon won't we but the next sharp take intake of breath would be when the father welcomes him yeah so, but keep <laughs> yes.
1: On. yes there's a few in this parable aren't there yeah yeah well, so before we get to that wonderful part of the parable um which is obviously where we landed on Sunday. I thought you also did a great job of unpacking repentance. I yeah. uh, thought it was really important you made clear that repentance is recognizing sin and turning from it. Um, you also said, though, that you know, it's, it's recognizing sin, turning from sin. But also, you said in a different place, he didn't need to clean himself up before yeah. he came back to the Father. And we don't need to clean ourselves up before we come to, to God. Yeah. Very helpful to say those two things, but can you say a bit more so that we understand repentance rightly? How do those two things fit together? We do turn from sin, but we don't try and clean ourselves up.
0: Yes. Um, I thought but, was your answer then, yes. Yes, uh, <laughs> I can answer the question. Sometimes we can think of repentance as simply feeling really bad and wallowing, uh, when in reality repentance is turning away from from sin, from that action towards our saviour. Yeah. I mean, the thing, I suppose it is sin. At times I've done stupid things in our marriage I've said things or I've done things and I wallow and I feel really bad and actually what I need to do is stop like turn away from those things and stop stop doing it uh, and turn towards Jesus so but maybe I've undone my answer there it's not a process of sorting ourselves out and getting our house in order it's the act of recognizing sin turning away from it and asking for forgiveness, and whenever we ask for forgiveness, that's when we're cleansed. Mm. Like, our recognizing is not cleansing. It's when we return to the Lord. That's whenever yeah. we're forgiven. So, I suppose if we're using Levitical language, it's confessing our sins, laying our hands on the scapegoat, the Lord Jesus, and claiming that He paid the price for our sins so that we may be set free.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, that's, that's great. So it, it's it's seeing our sin for the horrible thing it is, turning yeah. from it towards him, isn't yeah. it? it? It doesn't mean we're sorting all that sin out ourselves, only yeah. he, he's done everything that needs to be done yeah. to sort it, and we recognize that.
0: Yeah, and with God's help, not returning So yes. that sin.
1: Well, and it's one of the ongoing things in the Christian life, isn't it? We, we often say this, don't we, that the Christian life starts with faith and repentance, yeah. and then you're justified, you're forgiven, you're adopted. Yeah. But then there's that ongoing faith and repentance in the Christian life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so important to see
1: yeah um i kind of preempted the next question really which is um uh how uh do repentance and faith fit together i, th- I guess you've answered that but maybe recap on that for us are, are faith and repentance the same thing different thing what
0: yeah i think you get into the sort of like or the golden chain in romans five isn't it mm-hmm not sure which bit of romans yeah sorry stupid <laughs> chapter uh, romans yeah a chapter i should have said that it would look much better <laughs> um, but i think they're closely related to each other they're not the same thing but they're closely related in order to repent we need to be given the gift of faith which is whenever god brings us to our senses um it's where someone could read into the parable of the prodigal son and be like see we do something yeah, we come to our yeah. senses but you need to read all of scripture. Uh, so We repent because we believe we have sinned that we deserve to be punished and we believe that jesus led a perfect life his death and resurrection is credit into our account so they're different but linked we repent because we have faith and the faith leads to repentance yeah Yeah. Um, the only reason we do repent is because we believe in the promises of god mm.
1: yeah i think i think i've heard somebody say they're kind of like is they are like you said they're, they're different but linked to the two sides of the same, same coin point, yeah. they're, they're different you can't have one without the other yeah. i'm th- i think it's you might be able to tell me i think it's grudem he's got actually got a little one of his little pictures on this <laughs> where you got this little stick figure turning around um, and t- turning and that's the repentance towards I god see. and having belief and he's saying it's kind of it's one movement also almost these two things of faith and repentance so Yes. So Yes. um yeah that that helps that helps nail it, i think so um
0: yeah i with, loved go with this question yeah
1: uh, I, I i told him a question i was going to ask you and he's like what do you mean by that so yeah. I hopefully i've clarified this so you know where i'm coming from <laughs> so for someone who comes to god in faith and repentance yeah what does it look like that you know, we say about god running to them and like the father does in the parable and kissing them and placing a ring on their finger might, someone might be thinking well did that happen when i came to faith or did i experience that so what does it tend to look like feel like for someone that god runs to them kisses them places the ring on their finger how do i know that god's done that for me
0: does that make sense yes it's about uh, like how can i really know that i've been saved i think so yeah yeah that's where i'm coming from i think i mean this is the issue isn't it i don't i don't have a very tender conscience in this sense in that i'm very sure whenever i sin i'm like can i really be saved whenever i'm still doing this stupid thing Mm. but whenever i read the parable of the prodigal son i'm reminded whenever i see this picture i'm like yes i know that's true of me i think that's the show of emotion that i had on sunday was because Mm. i'm like i read this i'm like this is what god has done for me so i suppose what does it look like whenever you read passages in scripture they should move you. They should connect with you in some sort of way. Mm. Um, I suppose that's what we read in Romans eight, isn't it? That he's given us the spirit that cries out, "Abba, Father." Mm. I suppose that. Yeah. I don't know if I've answered it the way you'd want me to. Well, I think
1: it. I think you've touched there on something we have yet again talked about before. It's the there's um how do we put it in the past. that There's an objective and subjective objective. aspect to assurance, isn't yeah. there? So objectively, God's word tells you if you've trusted in Christ, yeah. you are forgiven. Yeah. You are adopted. You are saved. That's yeah. the objective part to it. But then there's this lovely subjective aspect to it that sometimes we feel sometimes we don't Where the Holy spirit to, confirms to us. Yeah. And we can ask for that, can't we? Yeah. That he, that's almost like the Lord coming to us and hugging us and kissing us. And we, that, that subjective aspect. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's both those things. And yeah. I think it's okay to seek that. Yeah. It's good to seek that,
0: isn't
1: it? Yeah. Um, okay but let's start wrapping this up um yeah. and I, thinking about how you were wrapping up the sermon actually i love that you finished at the cross
0: yeah
1: um when you were answering the question how can this be yeah. so um how when he's so stinking and he's done what he's done how can he come back and be accepted and when you think apply that to god how can we yeah. the idea that he'd received the traitor's kiss that jesus received the traitor's kiss so that i can receive the father's kiss that's how we impart how you answered it and that was very powerful thinking about the fact he took the traitor's kiss so i can receive the father's kiss what else did he take in taking my sin that i no longer need to fear
0: yeah the scriptures say that jesus took on our sorrow our sin our shame he he took everything it's the illustration that calvin often comes through that of marriage that jesus Mm. takes on all of our poverty we take on all of his riches yeah and i think that's there's so many i mean even next week we'll or this coming week we'll think about how jesus was cast out so he may be brought in mm. he was reviled so that we may be well celebrated when we come home mm. it's, it's all those things basically anytime you read what punishment and hell is we get the opposite of that yeah. because of jesus
1: yeah <laughs> that's a good way of putting it actually we, we just started reading the book and we dave on on union with christ is pretty a phrase we don't use yeah. enough in church um and part of that wonderful teaching about union with christ is that basically everything that jesus is and has every good in him like the calvin illustration of marriage yeah. we get when we come to faith in him yeah what, what an awesome point <laughs> crazy. yeah crazy uh okay last question did anything surprise you in your prep um for this for preaching this famous parable we all know it well yeah. but there's always fresh light to break out from god's word right so yeah. Anything particular strike you when you were studying for it this last week Also, so? I,
0: th- I think uh Diana said this to me after the sermon. Like and I found it whenever I was preparing. Obviously all three of my points were about the son, but the father ca- casts a huge shadow. Mm. I know that sounds negative, doesn't it? But like he casts a huge shadow over the entire parable. So in the first point, the father's generosity is reckless it seems giving it to this rebellious son uh huh. the memory of the father's kindness and goodness is what draws the uh, younger son back and then yeah. the third and final one is the father's compassion and action so it, yeah. i think that's what struck me that i want to be center stage of my life but god's glory compassion kindness just looms large mm. over over my life so it just made me think god's goodness is fatherly love should be more and more the lens by which I see yeah. things in this life. Mm. So, yeah, that's what that's what surprised me. Yeah. I thought it was going to be much more about, wow, look at this prodigal. Mm. But it was more, look at this incredible yeah. father.
1: And we need to be reminded of that, don't we, in, in everything. And in I worship on a Sunday that we can think and talk about uh, and pray for each other. Yeah, And it's important to share testimony, but our focus is God and how great and glorious
0: yeah
1: and good he is. um and that certainly we, we we're starting to see that in this parable and we and we're looking forward to more of it this coming sunday dave so let's be praying for dave yeah please as he prepares for this sunday and then the following sunday we're getting back to our series in hebrews so you can get dust off your um scripture journals bring them along um a week sunday for uh, for hebrews chapter eight but looking forward to more of the prodigal son parable on sunday see you then
0: bye